Today, Dwayne Gines, world traveler, humanitarian, and one of the wisest men I actually know is going to be joining us in a two-part podcast. I'm really excited about today. Dwayne's going to be sharing with us how we can find clarity and growth in life's experiences. I've learned from Dwayne about five years ago that a story is only an experience, but what we can find from a story is wisdom, applicability, and even humor. And an experience can take on meanings and can become a life-changing event. I see Duane on the trail every morning as I regularly hike on the Timpanogos Cave Trailhead. When people see Duane walking towards them, they typically stop and listen to a quick morning devotional of thoughtful quotes and application. When you ask Duane why he does it, it's the same response. He'll say, I do it for the hill of it. You'll understand what I mean when you hear a story. Duane quotes philosophers, mystics, faith leaders, and world leaders in innovation, and pretty much anyone who has anything important to say. One of Duane's most quoted sayings is from East Warren, who says, Without a sustaining purpose, a human being waxes destructive. Listen to why that quote should be important for you as well. You are absolutely going to love our conversation with Duane today. Hi everyone, it's Mark and Annette with Care in the Load, and uh, I am excited today to to have a special guest with us uh, on our podcast. Uh, we have uh, Dwayne Gines, who's a good friend of mine, and I'll explain in a minute how I've gotten to know Dwayne over the last five years. But uh, we welcome you, Dwayne. Thanks for being here with us. Thank you. So. When we moved to to Highland, Utah five years ago, one of the things that, unbeknownst to me, was going to be something that I enjoyed more than I would have ever thought at the time was uh, my daily hikes up to Timpanogos Cave, which is a beautiful spot just outside of our city within about 10 minutes of here. And uh, within 10 minutes, you can be in this beautiful forested area, and it's a great hike every morning. I typically make this hike usually about 6 o'clock, 6.30 in the morning. And there are regulars that I see on the trail every day. And uh, one of the regulars that I see on the trail is Duane, and I've got to know Duane uh, very well over the last five years as I've been making that uh, that climb. It's, uh, what is it, Duane? It's a three-mile hike. Three-mile round trip, yes. And about uh, 1,100 feet up. Elevation gain, yes. And 1,100 feet down. Right. For some people, it might be easier going uh, down than up. For me, it's harder going down than up because of my <laughs> knees. But I've I've uh, appreciated Dwayne, and I've really been looking forward to this uh, podcast as uh, I, I have a lot of things I want to ask Dwayne, and I, I know there's a lot of wisdom that comes from Dwayne. Let me let me just set things in uh, motion for a second here. As I've got to know Dwayne, I've known Dwayne by many different names. I've heard Duane referred to as the guru on the mountain. I've heard him called the spiritual leader on the mountain. I've My, my grandson, my, my four-year-old grandson last year called you the smart man on the mountain <laughs> there. And, uh, and we'll get into that in a second here, but uh, I know you as Duane. 
And uh, for all of those things, I, I'm grateful uh, for you. Now, there's a couple of things that really set you apart, I think, from maybe some of the other hikers on the mountain. Uh, one of those things is that uh, you share your wisdom. You, you share a lot of uh, Eastern quotes as, as well as biblical quotes. Uh, you, have, you have some great uh, references. You often share quotes from Gandhi, uh, from Einstein, from East Warren. Uh, from uh, even from the Bible there. And uh, you have those memorized. And uh, I think most people, first of all, are very impressed that you memorize those quotes. For me, it's the substance within the quotes there. And it gives me a chance to really start my day thinking. And if you're not there on the mountain, I really miss that because I, I miss that opportunity. But uh, everybody knows Duane, and uh, he shares his his wisdom with a stranger or friend alike. But then you also do something else that's unique. And uh, you are a very kind and generous man. You you share people with people bracelets that uh, were made by, by women in, the, uh, in, in Peru there. And uh, anybody that wants one of these bracelets, I think that we have three or four of them at the house here. I'm looking at one of them right now. And they're okay. a memento. And that has hers in her hand as well. And it's a memento of, of uh, wisdom. It's a memento of love. And you, you shared this with me a few years ago. Uh, you, you call these bracelets. Just for the hill of it. Just and for the hill random of it. act of kindness. <laughs> so, so explain how that got started, Dwayne. Uh, originally, they were random act of kindness bracelets. But as I walked the hill and realized that there is power in doing things without a selfish motive. And so really the basis for just for the hill of it is I don't need anything from you. And I'm not doing this to aggrandize myself. Uh, but just for the hill of it means there are forces in the universe as we do kind things to other people that generates kindness in their own life. There's a ripple effect that goes on and on. So mainly it's there's no agenda. Uh, it's just a, a, an offering of love uh, and with no expectation other than I hope you have a wonderful hike. And, and uh, that, that is something that uh, everybody, everyone that uh, you talk to leaves with a smile. And we're going to talk about the importance of smiling. Uh, in a little bit here as well. But let me set just one more thing here as well. And, and that is, uh, Dwayne, you're 75 years old. 74. 74, but who's counting, right? Right. <laughs> uh, 74 years old. Uh, you graduated from high school in 1964. That's, you were the uh, class president. I was the, I was actually the valedictorian and the student body president. Very good. Very good. And uh, you went on to uh, to a Utah State University, correct? Where you uh, majored in applied statistics. That's so, right. So when my grandson said that you're the smart man on the mountain, there's there's <laughs> some some real reality there. Uh, applied statistics, I'm sure, is not an easy major. No, it wasn't. But I enjoyed the instructor. That's why I ended up in applied statistics. <laughs> <laughs> You went on to do some graduate work as well at uh, Arizona State University. Yes, uh, computer engineering. I decided the jobs were in computers, not in statistics. And so I 
uh, did graduate work in computer engineering at Arizona State. And you spent most of your career in in uh, computers. Yes. Uh, spent some time uh, in different areas of the country doing that. Right. Yeah. So, Dwayne, let's let's talk just for a second. I want to share uh, some names here, and I want you to tell me when I mention the following names. What do you think about uh, when when you hear the names of people like uh, Lars Jenkins or Noreen Fox or Dick Fowler or Brian Mamet or Dean Welsh or Jim Crittenden? Uh, my high school years, they were years of uh, finding my gift. And these are people who helped me to find my gift. Uh, uh, my parents... Uh, grew up out in the Uinta Basin. My dad only finished eighth grade. My mother, she graduated from high school. Uh, but to them, education was important, so it became important to me. These were teachers, counselors, who encouraged me to uh, dream big, to not settle for uh, the lube job at the local service station, which I could have done. And I'm not saying anything about there being anything wrong with doing lubing cars at the local service station. But uh, they encouraged me to go ahead and develop my talents. And I had a good mind for math. Uh, I was one of the Sterling Scholars my senior year, one of the top 10 in the, in the state for mathematics. So I knew that was easy for me. English was harder. Noreen Fox was my English teacher. She was the one that allowed me to pass English when I went to college. Without her, I'm not sure I would have been able to do that. So I had to, uh, the, the scripture from Ether, I given them in weakness to make them humble. Mm -hmm. And if they humble themselves before me, then will I make weak things become strong unto them. And right now I'm more interested in language than I am in math. Because that's how you communicate. That's how you change people. Is it all about verbal communication, though? No, I think uh, if you are not walking what you're talking, it falls on deaf ears. And so it's important to have a path of service where you are contributing to people around you. And it's very important. One of my favorite quotes from Ishwaran, I may have shared this with you, Mark, uh, Doing good works is not enough. The mental state is crucial. There must be no self-interest in what you do, only your best interest in seeing yourself in all. And I believe that is a very important part of any kind of service, that there's no agenda for personal aggrandizement. Very good. Very good. And I, and I, I say a hearty amen to that uh, there as well. And, you know, it's interesting, you know, most people, when they think of uh, life, they think of probably the context within the last 10 years. Yet here we are 55 plus years ago, and you still think of those that uh, that helped you along the way at a time where you needed it. Oh, absolutely. They were they were key. There are certain times in our lives where our, our future is almost predetermined uh, in terms of uh, what we uh, see ourselves as becoming. And uh, if you wait until uh, you've already finished your career, it's a little bit harder to make a contribution. You haven't developed the skill set that will allow you to do that. You know, Dwayne, you've shared every day you have a different quote. 
And uh, one of the quotes that I've, I've heard you share a couple of times in five years is a quote that uh, might even perhaps be your mantra. It's uh, the quote from Einstein, and uh, you know what I'm going to say. It's He said, a hundred times a day I remind myself that my inner and outer life depends on the labor of other people, living and dead, and that I must exert myself in order to give it the same measure as I've received and I'm still receiving. I think that really encapsulates our debt to society and the world, and even to God. We, we are here with a purpose. Uh, and if we do not find that purpose, if we don't find that niche, that, that place where uh, our unique contribution can be given, then we're going to be frustrated and we're going to feel like we wasted too much time on unimportant things. One of my favorite definitions of confusion is doing things that are unnecessary and failing to do things that are needful. Clarity is doing the needful things and sometimes leaving the unnecessary undone. Oh, great quote uh, there. You know, speaking of, uh, of purpose, you, you often share with me the importance, and you use two words, uh, sustaining purpose. Yes. And uh, East Warren uses that uh, term often. He does. Basically, and this is a truism uh, that uh, he says, without a sustaining purpose a human being waxes destructive. We can have a sustaining purpose, raising our families, uh, having a, a career, and when we retire, many times we lose that sustaining purpose because we haven't called ourselves on a mission, if you will. We lack the ability to uh, receive the inspiration that we're surrounded with all the time that allows us to know Mark, Annette, this is what I need you to do. It's kind of the still small voice. And as you listen to it, you're guided into paths that allow you to make your maximum contribution. So, so let's talk about uh, sustaining purpose a little bit more. I want that to be a little bit of a theme of what we talk about uh, here. And uh, I think a lot of people out there wonder what their sustaining purpose is. I would say the majority haven't found. Uh, off and on, they, they, they will hit a stride where... They'll be involved with a certain project, a certain group, uh, a certain activity. It will always involve a contribution to others. It will never be just about me. It'll always be about we. Mm -hmm. So, so how do we how do we go about finding that purpose? What do we need to do in order for that to happen? Uh, in Hinduism, there are three primary paths to God. Okay. One is service. Gandhi was, uh, that was his path, a path of service. One is meditation, slowing down the thinking process and looking for joy on the inside and not being distracted by what's going on on the outside. And the last path is called the path of knowledge, but it's not knowledge about how to manipulate the world. It's knowledge about how to find the, the kingdom of heaven within that the Savior talks about. And one of the uh, Hindu mystics, uh, Mir Beba, he said, it's not so much that you are in the cosmos as that the cosmos is in you. That's the journey. That's, that's 
That's a pretty deep thought right there, that the cosmos is in us. Yes. Yet uh, too often we're thinking of the here and the now, and uh, too often we don't uh, reflect. And uh, we, you, know, you, you mentioned uh, the word vision a moment ago there, and uh, the, the importance of vision in our life, the importance of clarity in our life there. Uh, from your own experience, Dwayne, tell me about clarity. How, how do you personally find clarity? I'm, I meditate. I have memorized, memorized many passages from different spiritual traditions that talk about the spiritual journey. Isaiah 58, 6 through 12 is one of my favorite because it's about service to the poor, the needy, those who are struggling, and, and how in order to have light, we have to help others. And without that, the Savior would say we're blind guides. We don't even know where we're going, and yet we're trying to guide other people. Uh, that's a problem. <laughs> that's a huge problem if we don't know where we're going ourselves. That's right. That, 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 that uh, is the case. So for me, I start my day and end my day meditating on passages that have to do with service, with love, with uh, patience, with compassion. Uh, and uh, when my sister-in-law asked me how I would define my religion, I would say, I'm really trying to live the golden rule. And I find when I focus on that, I have little time for anything else. That that is consuming uh, in all of the interactions. So when I interact with people, I try and be one-pointed attention that they know I'm totally focused on what they're telling me or what interaction is going on. I don't want to be distracted. So that's important for uh, having a sustaining purpose. And what that's allowed me to do is come close to what Gandhi told people when they asked him the secret to his success. He said, my life is an indivisible whole and all my activities run into one another and they all have their rise in my insatiable love for mankind. And I believe that that's what the Savior was teaching, this insatiable love for mankind. And if that's the motive behind your activities, then good things will come out of it, always. Does that come natural to you? Uh, no, there was a time when I struggled to like people, and one of my prayers was I wanted to like people more. Uh, and so I've had to work on that one. <laughs> I think we all do, don't we? I think so, too. So so let's, let's uh, change gears just for a second here, because every morning when I see you, uh, I, I immediately get a smile on my face. It's, uh, hello, Duane, how are you? And uh, Duane is, hello, Mark, I'm doing great. Here's the thought for the day. <laughs> and, we, and we stand and, we, and it's, it's almost like time standstills for a minute. It does. There. And uh, you have that conversation multiple times up and down that trail. I do. Uh, and hopefully, by the way, you uh, had a chance to visit with those uh, three ladies I shared. I, I had a wonderful about. visit with them. I'm glad you told me about them. Uh, it, it was... It was delightful. People are delightful. I, I, I really love people. It's easy to become jaded in a society that points out uh, the injustices, and th they do occur. Uh, when Abraham Lincoln was asked uh, how, uh, he said, most men 
can deal with adversity. The real test of character is what happens when you give someone a little bit of power. And I think we see that power, we have trouble dealing with power, and we see it across the board uh, everywhere. We, we do, don't we? We do. So, so one of the things that I admire about you is uh, the fact that I don't think that uh, you, you have any, uh, any, anybody in your life that's a stranger. You know, it seems to me that to everybody, you look at everyone as a friend. I do, uh, because I, I see that their divine nature, which every person has, and uh, even when they aren't acting that way, if you can see that divine nature, uh, you tap into that, and then they respond in kind, always. They, they, they do. And uh, that's one of the things that I've noticed about you during the last five years is that uh, whether you know the person or not, there's always a conversation that ensues. Pretty much. Unless they're going 40 miles an hour and then I don't, I, I don't bother them. <laughs> I've, I've noticed that as well, there, that uh, some people we just don't stop and say hello to, but we still say hello. Oh, we still say hello. That's uh, right. We, they just might not get the, uh, the message. Right, right. That's so, right. so, Duane, as you walk up the mountain, tell me about what the mountain means to you. You've grown up in the shadows of the Timpanogos Mountain uh, throughout your entire life. That's right. I grew up in Lehigh. Uh, uh, I... Uh, my family loves the mountains, and so uh, as a young man, we did a lot of camping uh, all over the place. American Fort Canyon was one of our favorite places. We would take uh, a picnic up there, put the watermelon in the, the river, let it cool down, and then just hike. So uh, I don't think I appreciated the beauty as much until I visited Texas, Uh there's a bumper sticker I saw when we lived in Texas. It said, after you've seen Alaska, every place else looks like Texas. And the Texans did not like that, but there was truth to that because Alaska is obviously <laughs> amazing. And Utah is amazing. The, the Temp Cave Trail, uh, it gives me the opportunity to not only get exercise, but to be a part of the lives of some tremendous people. I've heard amazing stories on the trail of uh, people and their trials and their tribulations. And I always remind myself, the ones who have gone through the hardest times seem to be the ones that have grown the most, the ones that are the real givers. And I love being able to rub shoulders with with you folks, just Thank so you. you know. Thank you. Well, we it's, it's obviously reciprocal as well. You know, one of the reasons why I felt like this was a, a great opportunity to get uh, you in front of uh, our listeners is because you epitomize what uh, our mission, our sustaining purpose is. Our, our sustaining purpose, as Annette mentioned, is uh, body, mind, and soul. Absolutely. How does the trail allow you to, you know, I, I think it's obvious when it comes to the body. You know, the, the, the body obviously is something that uh, really benefits from, from this walk for me uh, every morning. Uh, but how, using those three ideas of body, soul, and, uh, and mind, how can, how can a activity, whether it's a hike up the mountain, whether it's anything else that we do in life, how can that be beneficial to anybody, regardless of age, physical stature, whatever their case might be? Uh, Moses went to the mountain to gain the further enlightened knowledge he felt like he needed as a spiritual leader, right? Uh -huh. And he received it. 
I think there is something special about being uh, in a place where uh, there's a certain amount of solitude. Uh, the plants, uh, the animals, uh, uh, creation, there is a great appreciation for God's handiwork. And so to me, I think it puts us in a frame of mind where we can be spiritually receptive. So as I hike the trail, I'm trying to receive some inspiration in terms of what can I share today that will be helpful to the people. Uh, and uh, many times I feel like I give them just the right message, <laughs> something that uh, resonates with them in a very personal way. I had one lady who I just love said, you know, Dwayne, you ministered to me the other day. And I want to thank you for that. Now, it was a short conversation, maybe five minutes. And I said, well, thank you. I didn't know that, that was going on because I felt like you ministered to me. <laughs> and we, that's what happened. So, Can we minister to people just by saying hello? One of the things I admire about you as well is that you know everybody's name. Uh, I know a lot of names. <laughs> you're, you're like, uh, you're, you're like uh, what was that uh, TV show? Uh, Cheers. Uh, you go there and everybody knows your name. Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and uh, the same is, is uh, true with you as well. Can, can we minister just by simply saying, hello, Duane, how are you today? You know, acknowledgement is a very powerful tool for uh, uh, helping another person see their own worth, see their own value, not feel invisible. Uh, I think a lot of people feel somewhat invisible as they go throughout their, their day. Yeah. And acknowledging someone helps them to feel a sense of uh, uh, value, which so even just the greeting. In fact, Peace Pilgrim probably says it best. She says, live in the present. Do all the good you can in day, each day, not forgetting the importance of a cheerful greeting and a, uh, and a cheerful smile. The future will unfold. That, that says it. So, Dwayne, you're only one person. But uh, how do you feel? You know, Gandhi shared something that you shared with me before as well. And he said, in a gentle way. You can shake says, the world. That's right. That's yeah. right. You can shake the world. What does it mean for one person to be able to shake the world? It's because of our uh, connections. We know that this virus, which is an invisible thing, has spread throughout the world because of how we're connected because of how we interact. So any interaction you have with another person influences their interaction with those around them, their family, their friends. If it's positive, it's, if it's uplifting, then they have something good to share with their family and their friends. And uh, too many times people don't start the day like we do, hiking the trail, getting inspiration, maybe reading a, a scripture, uh, doing some meditation. And so this is a way the ripple effect uh, goes on and on forever. One of the teachings that Gandhi was insistent about, he says, evil only exists as long as we support it. Whereas goodness, it has a self-existent principle that ripples on and on forever. That's uh, that's that's an incredible uh, quote there in and of itself. 
You talked about uh, COVID-19, the epidemic that we're going through right now. And it seems like all we hear about on the news and, uh, and everywhere else is the negative ramifications associated with the COVID-19 virus there. Uh, do you feel, and I think you started alluding to it there a second ago, do you feel that uh, there's been some positive things that have happened because of this as well, with families being closer together? Absolutely. In fact, uh, when I wrote the article uh, that was put in the Lehigh Free Press, uh, I uh, talked about how people I had met said, you know, we're much more closer as a family. Uh, we realize uh, we've gotten to know one another in a way that we wouldn't have before because we're not so distracted by outside activities. And so the family becomes really uh, a heavy influencer on everyone in the family. And parents would always like to have more influence with their kids. And I think kids would like to be uh, listened to by their parents. And time has been allowed to do that. Uh, it is true that there are, uh, to me, the world's response to the virus has been mostly concerned about how it affects economy. Uh, profit, power, pleasure, prestige seem to be the driving forces behind uh, politicians, governments, uh, bureaucracy. Well, in any 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 place where people have position and power and they're concerned about losing it. Uh, but we uh, one of the lessons we need to learn is to realize that things are to be used, but people are to be loved. And I do believe that more people are learning that lesson, that things are okay and we can use them. But if we don't love the people around us, if we aren't loved by others, then it's a shallow victory. There really isn't anything sustaining there. So so let's talk about, uh, I told you we're going to talk about smiles. Okay. <laughs> uh, here and uh, how important that is. And you, you, know, you, you used that to quote from the Dalai Lama about uh, improving the world, shake it gently there. Uh, but he suggested something else as well. Uh, the Dalai Lama? Yes. He said that uh, he suggested that we need to smile more. Yes. When asked how to improve the world, the Dalai Lama's response was, we just need to smile more. Realizing the power of our influence one with another as we interact and how that smile in a way breaks down a barrier. And it basically says, uh, I like you. I'm glad you're here. Uh, uh, and you're not an uninvited guest. You're welcome to my world. <laughs> and we can perhaps share something that will help both of us. I think there's some commonalities there. In fact, uh, Mother Teresa, from the article that uh, you wrote, uh, you quoted her as well. And she said that uh, peace always begins with a smile. With a smile. Right, right. There. So it's interesting, isn't it, uh, that uh, some of those that uh, we look at uh, in this world that are both here as well as those who have gone before us, uh, who have laid incredible foundations there for us, have uh, all had similar ideas in context, haven't they, as to what makes us happy in life? Absolutely. And, you know, uh, one of the things that I learned from Gandhi uh, was how he could disarm his enemies, uh, not by attacking them, but by uh, uh, 
loving them even when they were misbehaving and not being overly upset even when he was inconvenienced, thrown in prison. His whole family was thrown in prison. Uh, and he was totally okay with it. In fact, when uh, General Smuts offered to let him out because he was getting so much bad press internationally for what he was doing there in South Africa, uh, it was interesting that uh, Gandhi had no ill feelings toward him. They later became good friends. And General Smuts made sandals for Gandhi and sent them to him. And he said, to a man whose shoes I am not worthy to unlace. Mm. Mm. What, what, what a uh, gesture. What a gesture. There. And so a couple of additional things here before we, we wrap things up. But you bring something up there, and, and that's about uh, forgiveness. You know, Gandhi was able to forgive smuts there. How important is forgiveness in our lives? I, I think it's a, a spiritual gift and that we are not uh, easily able to do that. And yet, if you look at the Beatitudes and the Savior's insistence that we need to love our enemies, uh, he said anyone can love their friends. That's no big deal. But uh, uh, the requirement is to love your enemies. And what he implies there, which is very powerful, uh, is as we love them, we transform them and they are no longer our enemies. And I think we need to realize that we can win people over just by the soft answer that turneth away wrath. We've that, lost we've lost track of that to a degree have as a somewhat, people, haven't we? Yes, we have. Yeah. I, I look at people today and uh, some of the uh, conversations that you hear about uh, those that are for wearing masks, those that are for not wearing masks, and it it has probably in many cases actually turned violent. I've seen I've seen uh, situations on social media where you would think that uh, the two were mortal enemies if they disagreed. How can we be disagreeable but still be agreeable on on those those ideas that you're talking about? How we can continue to live our lives in a way that uh, we don't have to worry about what other people think about us or what. Uh, or, or my thoughts right or my thoughts wrong. I mean, there's just a lot of polarization on issues like that right now. Uh, we are somewhat ego-driven as a species. Uh, one of my uh, good friends, he was a professor of political science at the University of Utah, he said, disagreement does not mean dislike. Hmm. And agreement does not mean commitment. And uh, we need to be okay with that. And if we can do that, then we won't have to forgive because we will not have been offended in the first place. And I think many times we're offended too easily uh, and we uh, make enemies because it's okay if someone disagrees with us. Uh, and uh, I think sometimes disagreement is healthy. It, uh, my favorite definition for a learning place is a place where we go to have our answers questioned. And I think we need to do that more often. Agree. I, I agree. So, Dwayne, I, 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 appreciate, uh, I appreciate you. I appreciate your wisdom. And I told Dwayne before we uh, began that uh, we could probably have uh, 10, 20 sessions like this, and I still wouldn't uh, glean all of the knowledge that, uh, that Dwayne has. But, Dwayne... In 
in the years to come, when none of us are still around, what will people? What would you hope that people would remember you for? Uh, there is a saying. Uh, it says, "People will not remember what you told them, but they will remember how they felt when they were in your presence." To me, that's what it's all about. I hope they remember me fondly, whether they remember what I said, but they remember that I cared about them and they felt good in my presence. I, I love that. That's that's uh, great. Uh, one last thought, one last question for you there. And this is kind of the caveat. This is this is kind of the, uh, the cornerstone to our entire conversation here. You're absolutely right. People won't remember all the words that you spoke, but they will remember how they felt when you spoke those words and when you shared your, your uh, not only just wisdom, but uh, your service and other things that uh, you did to support that person. If you were to give anyone any advice uh, as a uh, closing thought here, uh, what would that advice be? The advice would be this. Uh, other people are not really your competitors. They're your collaborators. Anytime you can turn a competitive situation into a collaborative situation, you've improved that group, that uh, uh, project. Uh, the ability to see others as collaborators uh, rather than competitors and to cheer them on and encourage them in their contribution uh, Somehow we have to move ourselves from the center of the circle to the perimeter. And that is the key to having a great life and making the world a better place. Dwayne, you give me goosebumps. <laughs> I, I appreciate uh, your wisdom. I appreciate uh, your, your thoughts, uh, your, your honesty. Uh, I, when I look at you, I, I know that uh, I can trust you. And, and a lot of that is uh, due to, you know, past experience, but uh, you, do, you, you do honor that uh, thought there about uh, being able to, to uh, not only have a sustaining purpose, but for others to know what that sustaining purpose of you might be there. I know what your sustaining purpose is. I, I, I know because I see it uh, exhibited every day. So thank you for your example. Thank you for being on our uh, program today. It means a lot to us. Well, Mark, Annette... Uh... I appreciate you. I appreciate your contribution to uh, the people around you. Most you, you will never meet, and yet you have changed their lives by sharing the nobility of humanity uh, and this higher image of humanity. We need more of that these days, more than ever, because we don't get enough of that. So thanks so much for having Thank me. Thank you, Dwayne. Well, with that, uh, we're excited to tell you as well that our next podcast will be Dwayne Part 2 there. And so with that, uh, we, we wish you a uh, wonderful day. Remember, it's all about uh, uh, helping those around us and uh, remembering uh, who we are and what we represent. Thank you for joining us today. We hope that you've enjoyed our conversation with Dwayne Gines. Each of us have a story to share. Author Brene Brown reminds us that owning our story is the bravest thing that we'll ever do. The stories and experiences our guests share inspire us, 
as well as help us to grow and connect with others. We invite you to become a part of Care on the Load community through social media, as well as to share the site with those that you know. We are stronger together. Keep caring. Keep caring.